This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not contain or replace any legal advice. Hi everyone, it's Declan here. Welcome back to episode two of our day one series for law students. Uh, once again, I'm joined by Amelia Hunter. Uh, how are you going, Amelia? I'm good. Yeah, going well, Declan. How are you? Yeah, no, pretty good too. Travelling all right. How's, uh, how are you finding things continuing to work from home? Yeah, pretty good at the moment. Um, you know, still getting accustomed to the situation, obviously. I don't know if we'll ever be um, fully committed to it, but still being able to work on some interesting matters and uh, meet new people across the firm. That's good because you'll have a chance today to meet another person from the firm. Uh, we're joined by Senior Associate Thames and Webster. Uh, she started as a clerk in 2009, named Australian Young Lawyer of the Year in 2018, and has managed to, to carve out a pretty successful path into a legal practice. Uh, she's currently working in our employment team, uh, which we may refer to as ESP throughout the podcast. So if we do, that is our employment safety and people team, uh, while also fulfilling a passion that she has for human rights. So Tams, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So to kick us off, I suppose, if you wouldn't mind giving us a bit of your background in a sort of a legal sense, how did you get into the profession? Where'd you go to uni? And how did you sort of get into things? Of course. So I went to Melbourne Uni um, and I studied employment law. I did a clerkship at Maddox in 2009 in the employment area and also in the governance area. And as a result of that, I got a job at WorkLogic, which is an employment um, sort of investigations firm. And during my year off, I also paralegaled at Maddox and volunteered at Justice Connect. Uh, and then I started at Maddox in 2011. You mentioned there that you had a year off after you graduated. What else did you do in that year off? Um, I also went traveling. So traveled for three months. I did some um, French language school in Paris and went to Morocco and a few other places. In your year off when you worked, is it... Uh, was it work logic you said yes um was that sort of because you liked employment law or did you get the job there and work there and then realize that sort of your passion was employment law what sort of was it the chicken or the egg if that makes sense (laughs) it was a bit of a combination so I, I loved employment law at uni I was really fascinated by the area and then I, I met some people from WorkLogic at Maddox um, when I was doing my clerkship and it sounded like a great opportunity so I took it and then I just became more and more interested in the area the more I found out about it. Uh, and what do you think sparked um, uh, the passion for that area Tamsin? I think that it's it's an area that really focuses on people and for me it's just it's such an important part of like of my life and also I think of other people's like you spend such a long time at work and it's really important to have a good working environment and also while I was at uni I did a lot of human rights subjects and I did find that I kept coming back to employment law so I did uh, an essay about asylum seekers um, and and work rights and the fact that they didn't have work rights and what that meant for them Um, and I just started see how important employment was. That passion for human rights that you mentioned there is that something that was that also sort of 
sparked through uni or have you has that been something that's sort of been in your life for a longer period but what sort of sparked that passion yeah so I think it it really started at at a younger age my dad also does a lot of pro bono work so he's he's a lawyer too um and he sort of instilled in me a a sense of social justice from a, a young age so after a year off you've come you've back to Maddox, start as a graduate lawyer. How did you find sort of settling into professional life, especially after sort of a year off with a bit of travel? And and you, you've mentioned that passion for human rights, but what made you sort of settle for, for Maddox at a more commercial firm and not sort of a, a community legal centre or a, a more sort of pro bono-centred practice? So I, I definitely looked at community legal centres and I did a lot of internships in the, the human rights space. So I did one at Native Title Victoria I did one at the Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission and I volunteered for Refugee Legal and Justice Connect. So I was definitely exploring my options in that sense, but there there weren't very many options available. So it was very limited. Um, So I sort of looked more broadly and I saw that Maddox had a really good culture um, and that it was highly recommended and that they did a lot of government work, which I was interested in. And I'd already developed an interest in employment law and they had a really good employment law practice. So sort of all of that contributed to to my decision. And during your grad year, Tamsin, what teams did you rotate through and, and how did you find the grad year at Maddox? I rotated through employment, state government, property and commercial. I absolutely loved the grad year. So I, I still have really good friends who I did my grad year with. I still catch up with them regularly. I've, I found it quite exhausting at times. Like it's a lot to work full time for the first time as well as sort of completing um, College of Law and and everything else but overall I just absolutely loved you know meeting so many people getting exposed to different areas of the law and yeah I had a a great time. During your grad year and when you were rotating when did you know that ESP was going to be the team that you you ended up in? Well I I already had that interest and I just absolutely loved it during my rotation but I also loved state government and found that fascinating. So at the end, it, it was actually a bit of a hard decision, but my yeah, my love for employment law won out. And yeah, I'm really glad that it did because I absolutely love it. I'm not quite sure I really believe you when you said you found it really difficult at the start of your career because someone that's managed to win Australian Young Lawyer of the Year has obviously done a fair bit right. So how do you think you managed to go from that like oh, I can speak from experience and I'm sure Amelia probably can too, that first the starting point where you think it's all going to be, you know, you're in for a pretty long career because the days seem really long and really hard. When do you think it sort of turned for you and you really started to be able to excel and, and what do you think it was that enabled you to sort of become that successful and really thriving in your practice? Hmm. Um, I think that that's quite a difficult question. I think it's a good question and it doesn't happen overnight. So I, I think it's really just about hard work and learning as much as you can and just taking everything in and learning from the people around you and, and above you. And I, I definitely remember, you know, as a, a graduate and a first year feeling like there was so much to learn and that it was, you know, quite overwhelming and that, that I didn't know enough. But I think maybe in your second or third year, you just started, you know, getting questions that you've answered before and you're more familiar with everything and and you just develop 
um, yeah, skills and techniques that you did you didn't have before. So I think it really is just persevering and um, and keeping on learning. Yeah, I'll be eagerly awaiting when I can finally feel <laughs> somewhat comfortable. It does happen. Just hang in there. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's what everyone tells me. So I just have to believe it. It gets easier it and does. I'll be some, it's out of nowhere. I'll become a natural. <laughs> <laughs> Another bit of background uh, to your career. You had a, a year off to study at Oxford. So it was in 2015. So I'd been, or maybe 2014, I get a bit confused with dates, but about three or four years into my career at Maddox, I, I just wanted to have a break and I'd been volunteering at the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre and was pretty worked up about how the government was treating asylum seekers in Australia and I I wanted to learn more about it and sort of get perspectives from other countries around the world, how they were managing it, whether there was a good way to do it. And so I found this course at Oxford and I also just wanted to to travel more and and meet more people and, and just be exposed to more experience. So decided to take a, a leave of absence for 13 months and did a nice. master's in refugee and forced migration studies and and then travelled for about three or four months at the end of it. Yeah, wow, that's um, amazing. Um, how did you come to make that decision? It sounds like uh, it would be a really hard decision to make three, three or four years into your career. It didn't feel like a massive decision at the time because Maddox was really supportive and, and they made it clear that, you know, that I could take a leave of absence and I could come back and sort of knew that other people in the team had done similar things that, um, yeah, taken breaks and worked overseas. So it didn't it didn't feel like a really unusual thing to do. And I guess I had got to that point where I felt like I knew what I was doing and I wanted to take a step back and really assess whether I wanted to continue doing that or, or maybe pursue a different path in the, in the human rights area. After that you had have come back to Maddox and you've stayed in the employment space was there something in what you studied that renewed that passion for employment law or did it help greater understanding of sort of your place in the world but do you reckon it helped specifically in your employment practice just you mentioned earlier there's the work you do your work you did at uni in human rights law which was also related to employment law so was there sort of that sort of element where it was able to help both your pro bono work your understanding of the world but your employment law work yes as well? exactly so I actually ended up doing my thesis in my master's degree on work rights for asylum seekers again. So I explored it from a different angle and and by that stage, Australia had come full circle and again, they weren't giving work rights to asylum seekers. So I, I was still pursuing the employment law passion at the same time as, as the human rights passion and I just realised by the end of it that I didn't want to give up the employment law aspect and, and how much I, I enjoyed it. The employment law work you do at Maddox is different in the sense that the employment law work in, in work rights is often you'd be acting for an individual, um, whereas at Maddox it's predominantly working for the employer side of things. Where do you see your role as far as sort of acting for our clients as well as educating them if that Yeah, it does. Sense? So I guess um, when I was at uni, I, I definitely thought that I would be acting for employees and not employers. But obviously, yeah, when I started at Maddox, it was employers and 
And I, I actually, I really enjoy that now. And I think one thing that I've definitely learned is that it's not black and white and it's not always good employees and bad employers. A lot of the time employers are, are trying to do the right thing as well. Sometimes employees can, can be terrible and can engage in bullying and discrimination and sexual harassment. So I, I also think that I'm lucky at Maddox because, you know, we do a lot of government work and my clients are generally just trying to do the best thing by their employees. So I think, yeah, there's definitely a role for on the employer side being able to provide advice and make sure that they're getting it right the first time. So they've got good contracts, they've got good policies, they've got good advice about their workplace obligations and and that in a way can be more effective than an employee having to make a claim after the employer has done something wrong. So I, I see it as more preventative. But we also do yep. work for employees in the pro bono space. So I sort of get to straddle both worlds in that sense. And that pro bono program, and maybe you can share with us a little bit about how you came to be uh, coordinating the pro bono program between Maddox, how long you've been involved and how you're able to to balance the two roles. Yeah, so I coordinate the, the refugee legal program, which basically involves organising for lawyers to attend the refugee legal clinics sort of once a month and, and I attend as well. And I'm definitely helped in that position. Um, Monique, one of my colleagues, helps me with that. And it's it's not hard to balance because we, we get a lot of support to do it and also it's counted as, as billable work, so it counts towards our, our budget. And I also coordinate the employment team in terms of the pro bono work. I find it really interesting and I love doing it, so it, that, that just makes it yeah, helps, doesn't it? Yeah, as well. The refugee legal program for people that would be coming to Maddox and wanting to know more about that. How many employees are involved at the firm? What does it involve? The number of lawyers involved fluctuates quite a bit, but it's usually around ten lawyers at any given time. Basically, once a month we go for a, a full day to refugee legal. At, at the moment, it's obviously not in person. We're we're doing it via Skype, and we will see usually one client, and they're all from the fast track cohort which is a group of asylum seekers who arrived in around 2012 around the time where people were going on to being sent to Nauru and Manus Island and around I think 30,000 asylum seekers remained in Australia um, because they couldn't fit on Nauru and Manus Island and they're the group that we help so for a long time they were subject to the no advantage rule which meant that they couldn't be advantaged in any way compared to those on Nauru and Manus Island so they weren't allowed to work, no work rights and they weren't allowed to have their applications assessed and that changed in I think it was about 2016-17 so that's when we started helping with their applications. We got all of those in and now we're helping with with the next stages so we might help them prepare for an interview with the department or help them appeal a negative decision from the department to the tribunal or we might be helping them with repeat applications because they're all on temporary protection visas which um, are now expiring because they're three to five years. 
I've managed to get along a couple of times to refugee legal. I will put my hand up and say probably not as as often as I would have liked in my first year. And uh, but being when, when I was able to go into the office, the experience there was oh, I can honestly vouch to say it was a fantastic couple of days that I did. And it's just it's amazing how quickly I was sort of humbled by the the stories that you hear and how you know yeah. often sad and at the same time incredible these people's lives have been. Um, so you coordinate the employment teams pro bono efforts, but that and sort of more generally, what are sort of the the pro bono things that you can get involved in. So Peter Francis is the pro bono partner and he's very open to pro bono requests. So so anyone can make a, a pro bono request to him. In terms of the employment work that we do, it sort of ranges from representing employees in the Fair Work Commission um, to helping non-profits. Um, so sort of little community legal organisations and neighbourhood centres um, who can't otherwise afford legal advice. Is there a um, a recent or a standout example that you can give yeah, us? Yeah, so um, this year I, I worked on a pro bono employment case for an employee who'd arrived from Syria just a year and a half ago and his his English was quite limited and he went to work for a, a grocery store and he was seriously underpaid and at the end of last year one of the owner's sons accidentally drove over his foot with a um a forklift and and broke his foot and he had to have some time off work and when he came back um he was working restricted duties because he still couldn't walk properly and he was sort of harassed and verbally abused and continually asked when he would return to full duties um and just generally not treated very well at at the same time as still being seriously underpaid and then eventually it culminated in him being dismissed but basically because he couldn't do the full duties because of his broken foot. So he came to us through Justice Connect and they'd already put in an unfair dismissal application for him when we got the matter. So we corresponded with the employer and went to a conciliation at the at the Fair Work Commission and that we ended up securing almost $40,000 for him at the conciliation and it was yeah one of the best moments of of my career because he was just so happy and his wife was so happy and he was so deserving and the story actually didn't end there because then the employer signed the deed but uh, breached the deed and didn't pay the money. So we then prepared to go to the magistrate's court for a a breach of contract claim, wrote a letter of demand, and at that point they finally started paying the money. That's fascinating. I completely imagine that's pretty pretty rewarding and pretty exhilarating as well that that's sort of something different and you you really would appreciate that I imagine. Uh, So aside from the sort of those rewards to to the pro bono work my experience of it has been that you get to do a lot of things that are a lot different to the work that you would usually be doing and in a lot of ways they're a lot more challenging and a lot more demanding of you the things that I've learned from those pro bono matters have been really significant it's quite a steep learning curve um was that you sort of your experience as well and as a young lawyer I um I was able to represent clients in the mental health review tribunal and that advocacy work was something that I wasn't necessarily experiencing in other areas and I just I absolutely loved it and I think it was great just to build those skills and I also had the opportunity to instruct a QC in the high court on a an asylum seeker matter and that 
you know, that was sort of like an amazing opportunity that I don't think I'll ever have again. I think it, it definitely sort of opens up new experiences and opportunities and, yeah, it gives you great skills. Do you have any uh, tips or advice for law students or junior lawyers who were probably in your position and had that shared passion for human rights? I would definitely recommend employment law because I love it and I think it's um, a fascinating area. And I'd also recommend, I think it, it can be quite hard to, to get into community legal centres. Um, so just keeping in mind that that commercial law firms also do a lot of pro bono work and that there are commercial areas of law that can also be really rewarding. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tamsin. I think this has been a really good one to sort of get an idea about your path to, to where you are now, but also um, what you're able to do in sort of pro bono work at a firm like Maddox, which is a really good insight for, I think, the, the, the listeners and also for, for us on the other end of the microphone. So that is all we've got time for. We hope everyone listening at home enjoyed the episode. As always, if you've got any questions, head over to the Maddox Lawyers Instagram page and send us a message. So thank you again thank for joining you. us, Tamsin, and we'll, we'll see everyone else next time.